Peace tie. Hello, podcast listeners. It's Wildcat Minute, where we talk about High School Musical 3, senior year, one minute at a time. I'm Condra. And I'm Tyler. Today we're talking about Minute 38 of High School Musical 3, senior year. Minute 38 starts out with Troy asking if she really thinks that he'd be spending all his time if it wasn't for her. And ends with Gabriella's mom coming out of the door. Whoa, return of Gabriella's mom. It's been... I guess like only 20-ish minutes since we've seen her, but we don't see her very often in the grand scheme of things, so. Mm-hmm. We'll talk probably much more about her next week because when she actually talks, but. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good, like, her mom enters, but we don't actually get, like, a line from her. She just goes, oh. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so I guess I didn't realize that when Troy and Gabriella pulled up in the truck, they were pulling up in front of Gabriella's house. I assumed it was always Troy's house all the time. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't so long between minute six or whatever and minute 38, it maybe would have like stuck out of like, oh, hey, that's not Troy's house because we did see Troy's house front when they were going to the after party. Well, and we also saw Troy's house back, as in backyard, which Troy and Gabriella go into pretty quickly, and it is obviously smaller and looks nothing like the backyard that we saw before, so I was like, wait a second, something's wrong here. And then I eventually figured out, oh, that's Gabriella's mom, not Troy's mom, <laughs> and it's just like everything clicked. <laughs> Poor Gabriella's mom. Well, she's not holding a letter from Stanford, so how did you know it was her? <laughs> well, we get so we get this stuff with Troy in the truck. So he, he he does the very amusing thing of climbing into the bed of his truck over his truck to open the door for Gabriella, which is like nice that he opens the door for Gabriella, but it's it's a lot to to do all that climbing. She gets a good chuckle out of it though. She's like rolls her eyes a little bit because they're still talking as he's climbing and she like knows what's happening i wonder if this started out as like a like a sincere thing and then it just became their thing like he does this every time oh yeah you know troy loves his chivalry yeah and he loves a good gag yeah, I guess like doing the most, but but like just to be a, a little funny way. is kind of what what Troy does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like T is in Troy. In an, in a way that it's nice like this, it's good. In a way that it's evil, like Hazing. stealing someone's clothes, it's bad. <laughs> Two ends of the spectrum for doing the most and being a lot. <laughs> yeah, and Gabriella, I think, thinks it's cute. Like she she does her little eye roll that she does at Troy. Yeah, you need to you need to get him to use his powers for good. I think is the thing. Yeah, if it's for good, he's fine. It's when it's when he's corrupted. <laughs> They're having this conversation about you know should Troy be spending all of his time working on the musicale, and Gabriella goes, you know what? I think you would do it even if it wasn't for me because you love it. You secretly love it. Yeah, it's kind of funny that like. It's one of those, like, cliche kind of, like, I don't believe you. Deep down, you really like it. Like, it's a thing in movies, but here it kind of works in a way that, like, other times doesn't because it feels like they're actually having a conversation, even though it's a cliche conversation. 
I think of the line in Hairspray when Penny says to Tracy, I think they secretly liked you mm. uh, after the after the rehearsal, which after is Miss like Baltimore crabs. You mean? Yes. Which is like it's not. But in, the, in Hairspray, it's like a jealousy thing. Like they see that she can dance, but they don't like they don't want her around because of her appearance. Yeah. You're referencing. So she doesn't actually say that in the movie. She only says that in the soundtrack. Well, okay, but we listened to the soundtrack a lot in the car when we were kids. I know. I was just I just wanted to say that for the folks at home that you get extra nerd points right there for having a soundtrack reference. Sounds are ingrained in my brain. <laughs> it's like when I quote the Nightmare Before Christmas intro or outro and the outro doesn't even exist in the movie. It only exists as a soundtrack. The other one in the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack is after he's like trying to figure out what Christmas the is Eureka, all about, he says, I've Eureka, it. I've got it. Where in the movie, he does he just say Eureka or does he just say, I've got it? He just says Eureka. Okay. See? <laughs> these these sounds in my brain, I can always notice when a sound is different. Well, it also doesn't help that in Nightmare Before Christmas, that the narrator of the intro and outro are different than the movie one. Different voices. Yeah. yeah. One's Patrick Stewart and yep. one's not someone else <laughs> <laughs> we're not covering that movie yet but anyway troy <laughs> yet don't make any promises hey it's short um so yeah troy say i wouldn't be doing any of this singing if it wasn't for you and do, do you do you believe him do you not, do like gabriella doesn't believe him i i don't know i think he does require a little more peer pressure than She's acknowledging like I think Troy, if there were no external factors like his father or Chad or basketball and he was like at a completely new school. But at the same time, like being a teen and peer pressure and feeling weird about what other people think of you, like I feel like he probably wouldn't because of his self-consciousness, but it's tough, too, because we always saw them do in the first movie was audition and we didn't see like how the rest of the play rehearsing and performing went. Yeah. Like she could say something like, I know last year you struggled during the rehearsals, but remember when we performed it and everybody loved it and cheered for you? Like that felt really good, right? Yeah. As if Troy would be motivated by that sort of thing, which maybe he wouldn't be, but. Yeah, it is interesting that we, the audience's, connection with Troy and Gabriella's quote-unquote performances are not really performances other than the talent show. So we know they're good singers, but in low-stake environments. And once you're in a high-stake environment, like, performance factor does play into it. It's just weird because he like he's acting like he's doing this for the first time, and it's like, you've done this all before. Like, either you know you don't like it or you know you do like it. I wonder, though, too, if maybe he didn't do all the performances and he did let, like, Ryan step in for some of them because he felt bad or he didn't feel comfortable. Maybe, like, when they did the school preview one, he didn't do it. That seems a bit extra textual for us to... I, I mean, yeah, we have no idea. Like, they don't make any reference, any point about the, the Spring Musicale last year. What was it called? A uh, uh, Twinkle Town. Twinkle Town. 
Like he, like he could say in this, like I liked being in Twinkle Town because it was all new, but now I know how much work it is, and I'm not looking forward to it. Which, like, he does put in the work though. Like that, that would uh, again, like a lot of his excuses don't, or his potential excuses don't match up with what we know of Troy in relationship to basketball. But maybe he's just not good at seeing it as just another form of like that kind of performance. It's like basketball. You run a play and the play is the choreography. It's where you're standing and what you're doing. You're the playmaker. You're the center of the attention. <laughs> and and there could even be a little bit something more about the like, I can't sing unless you are singing with me. Like literally if it was like a stage fright thing. But he was the one to sing first for Breaking Free. Like, he coaxed her out of her stage fright. Yeah, so it's all complicated. But there's this idea that, you know, he's he's willing to at least admit his nervousness to Gabriella, that he's not willing to admit to his dad or Chad, which is the sort of next place the dialogue goes. One, One sec, real quick, though. It is funny because the, the, the dialogue conversation jumps from like when they're at the car door to when they're going in the gate mm-hmm. um, behind Gabriella's house. Like we get one of those classic like the conversations at the same point, but 15 seconds must have passed in order for them to get from point A to point B. Well, no, we see them walking towards the gate and then it changes angle. Nope, it jumps right from the car oh, to the gate. <laughs> I didn't even rail like, yeah. <laughs> it is, the conversation, it's nice that it's not out of the ordinary. It doesn't feel like it's too out there for these two to be having this conversation. It doesn't feel like they've had this conversation a bazillion times, like the treehouse conversation. Yes, I agree. And it actually sounds like what teens might say to someone that they are emotionally close with. Like, it yeah. all feels pretty real. Yeah, if not, if not real, at least, like... Movie real? Meaningful for these characters. Like, they go and they sit in at hammock. Yeah. They put their bag and textbook down on the table with quite a thunk. Yeah, what's this one textbook that Troy's carrying around? <laughs> Maybe he's carrying one of Gabriella's books. Like it's her okay, heaviest one. Fair, fair. Because I was like, what? Like he's got. Assume it's a math textbook, and Troy's going to do his math homework at some point tonight. He doesn't have a notebook or a pencil to do it with, so it must be Gabriella's. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that the way Troy phrases like it's hard. It's not hard to admit to you. But to Chad or my dad, like that he likes singing and yeah, that he likes performing might even be doing this if it wasn't like a whole team activity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's weird that he's still so hesitant to talk to his dad about it because clearly his dad has shown that like as forceful as his dad is with the U of A basketball stuff, like maybe Troy thinks that his dad is still just humoring him, knowing that it's just this like weird little pit stop on his way to basketball fame and fortune. I think what it is is that like he could say, "Dad, I'm in the play," and like that's fine, but he's not gonna like have this conversation about whether he feels like the play or the basketball should be the most important thing in his life with his dad. 
because he knows the perspective his dad is going to take on that, where Gabriella is going to listen to both sides and listen to his feelings. Yeah, and Chad just won't listen. <laughs> and so they, they sit perpendicular in the hammock, which I guess is good because you don't want them like actually laying in the hammock because that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and the hammock seems like bigger than normal. It, yeah, it does. It's like a netted one. Which I guess is good for hammock because most hammocks are like pretty small. Yeah. Yeah, this is a good bench style hammock. And they they start talking about, you know, what, what they've chosen and what they've not chosen. Yeah, and Troy says he's never told this to anyone, but he's gotten offers from other colleges. And I'm like, wouldn't your parents... Have told it to anyone? Anyone? Your parents... <laughs> Like what? Well, maybe maybe the part that he's considering the offers oh, from the other colleges and not just that he got that the he's offers. gotten the offers. Like in his parents and Chad's and everyone else's mind, like U of A is a done deal. But he's really like doubting whether that's the choice. And this is what I wish that they were talking about earlier in like the treehouse scene or like any of these other scenes leading up to it, where it's like. I know I want to do basketball, but I feel like my choice is being railroaded versus the like, should I do basketball or should I do Juilliard like thing, which feels like too little too late in terms of like plot interruption, disrupt character disruptions type stuff. Yeah, I think it does make sense, though, that it's here in the movie as opposed to earlier because we have to reestablish where the characters are like if this movie comes out a year later from high school musical 2 we're now in a movie theater we have to like reestablish the universe a little bit like just that generic kind of college conversation in the treehouse and now we've like earned the slightly deeper more complex conversation i i personally just felt that the the earlier conversation didn't mean much because we didn't have this context, really. Mm. It was like, you seem happy with the U of A thing, and you're just having general hesitations about what you want to do versus these other colleges. Like, they could have even set up, oh, one of these colleges is in California. And, you know, maybe wouldn't be directly next to Stanford, but it would be maybe like an hour or two away as opposed to like 15 hours away. Yeah, I mean, that that there's a lot of like, oh, if you restructure, you can do this with any movie. And like, I think for the conversation that we're having right now, I think it does still work in its placement. And I think it's adding something to the convert, like to the overall movie character development wise that we've been needing. So it's I'm glad it's here. I, I agree that this version of the scene is good what they're not doing is talking about the Juilliard thing, which which is why I'm proposing, like, move this version of the conversation to the treehouse, and then here's where you go, like, and then now we have the Juilliard thing that we're not even, like, like, do I even want to do basketball? Or now I have this third, other third option that's really throwing me out of whack. And We don't know what the rest of this scene is going to take, though. <laughs> fair, fair. Gabriella's mom could be, like, coming out, and Gabriella could be like, hey, Guess what? Troy just got offered a Juilliard spot. Well, clearly it happened a few <laughs> weeks ago. 
at this point because they're like talking about multiple rehearsals but yeah yeah the time jump here is a little unclear yeah because the first movie did really take place like over the course of one or two weeks yeah and then we just we did just have like a oh they've been rehearsing for a while presumably yeah because i mean ryan was doing that choreography stuff they gave the boys their lockers well, you don't say I've been spending all my time doing this if it's only been like two days. Yeah. And the for the fuel pump to go the way it did. <laughs> Is Troy going to be able to get home? Uh, he'll bang it with a wrench and be fine. <laughs> yeah, cartoon logic. My favorite. I mean, if it works... Um... <laughs> And Is there Gab- anything else? Th- yeah, Gabriella hints she oh. still has a decision to make. And Troy is like, what do you mean? And then Gabriella's mom comes out. And I mean, I, I guess it's good that they're introducing a, a character beat for Gabriella to have. I hope that we actually get to have that. And it's not a Finn in the Rise of Skywalker deal where it's like, I need to say something. And then it never comes out. Ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But surely, but surely Disney could never be that bad of screenwriters. Just 10 years earlier. <laughs> different, different teams. Yeah, very different teams. <laughs> Although it is the third movie in a trilogy. That's very interesting. <laughs> we just got to start running Rise of Skywalker similarities. I would have to have seen that movie more than once in order to make comparisons. <laughs> Fair. Who's the Babu Frick of this movie? Is it Yort? Is it Kelsey? <laughs> Ryan? Or Donnie because he's so much shorter than everybody else. But like Babu Frick fixes a situation. We need like a fixer. Or like enables the the progression. He has a special skill. So I feel like that'd be like a Ryan or a Kelsey. Hard to say. <laughs> But I I think we're on the same page. Like, this conversation is interesting. Like, it finally feels like the good version of the college conversation that they've been trying to have. Mm-hmm. And we'll see where it goes. Yeah. It, you know, setting up the stakes 30, 38 minutes into the movie. It's we fine. Should, we'll, we'll get there. We've had worse. <laughs> um, and we'll see what, what Gabriella's mom has to say. I bet. She'll do the classic TV mom thing and ask if anyone wants snacks. Well, Condra, you need to wait, okay? We can't just no. we can't be just throwing out predictions willy-nilly. But this one feels solid. Like you could bet on it. <laughs> you could bet on it? Yeah. Is the episode over now? I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> dun dun dun. Dun dun. Now uh, we got another segment, Condra. Cue that other music. Okay, it's I'll the it's still time for never the, know. The, the it's the Disney movie of the week segment. The the D Mao. Are we like Dead Mouse? <laughs> <laughs> no, because we're D Mao. Um, Condra, I've got a Disney theatrical release, live action from 1958. Oh boy! For you to guess the plot of. Oh boy! The title is "The Light in the Forest." Directed by Herschel Dougherty, starring James MacArthur, Jessica Tandy, Carol Lindley, 
Fess Parker, and a handful of others. Wendell Corey. That's the other name on the poster. A light in the woods? The light in the forest. <laughs> the light in the forest from 19... The tag. The tagline. Right. I'll give you the tagline. Yes. Two refreshing new stars in a different motion picture. Oh, no. <laughs> light in the forest. That is not a tag. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'll see if it has a real tagline. I just thought that was funny. So 1958? Yep. The light in the forest. There were two guys and two women you listed. There. Yeah, the two of them are younger stars. and Yeah, well, the some, refreshing some... new talent. Yeah, clearly. yeah, yeah. All right. The light in the forest. 1958. So they were not as big into the live action fantasy. So as much as I would like this to be like a Will of the Wisp, unless wait, what was the second half of that poster? It was the tagline. Yeah, it was. It was refreshing. two refreshing new stars in a different motion picture. Different. Okay, I was thinking. I was like, ooh, maybe it's like a a spin on Midsummer Night Dream, where they're like following. Because, like, it's, the title has fantasy vibes. Like, Will-o'-the-Wisp, Magic Orbs kind um, of thing. In the sense that you've got, like, noun, prepositional phrase, noun. Yeah. Like, a throne of glass or whatever. Yeah. But. Yes, but. It's not going to be that. And <laughs> it's going to be something, like, historical or, like, western-y genre, that type of thing. As opposed to, like fiction like fantasy light in the forest do you have an actual tag for me because i got nothing i can't find an actual tagline boo all right i'm gonna all right what is this gonna be i think it's gonna be our young lad is in a scary situation to start the movie whether, like, his home is on fire or there's some imminent danger where he, like, flees and doesn't know the outcome of his family. And he flees into the woods. I just realized I am now reciting the plot of Woods Runner by Gary Paulson. We'll see how long there, I go with this. I found another tagline, but it totally gives the whole thing away, so I can't... Dang. When I get super stuck, which I already am, <laughs> I feel like... So he flees the wood and starts tramping through, and it's a little Snow Whitey in that, like... Do you have a setting, mate? Like, a more like, specific setting that can ground you? My problem is I'm literally just picturing Woods Runner in my head, and I'm trying not to be in, like, wooded mountain area. So let's say northern Maine. So woods. Okay. But, like, pretty when? barren. Um, we'll say the 1840s. Okay. So not like your normal time for Maine, but like it's got that like it's pioneer not, it's not vibe. Coastal Maine, it's it's forest Maine. Forest Maine. So it's like frontier, living on their own kind of thing, and there's an a fire. It's not an attack. It's just there was a fire. 
And oh, is that the light in the forest? No. <laughs> and he starts running through the woods, not knowing what's happened to his family. And he, like, stumbles overnight. Oh, he's running from the fire. Running from the fire. Into yeah. the woods. Into the woods. To grandmother's house. And home before dark. No, silly. <laughs> uh, he... He thinks he's running towards the nearest town, which is, like, several miles away, but, like, hopefully it's enough that, like, he can get there and, like, maybe the rest of his family is run there or at least, like, he'll be around other people. And somewhere on the journey, he gets, like, rerouted because of, like, a coyote or a wolf or something. And in his getting turned around, he, like... He gets stopped for some reason and, like, bonks his head, but, like, not severely. But when he wakes up from, like, passing out, he sees a light in the distance. And he's and he, at first he's like, oh, it's my family's farmhouse that's still on fire. Maybe I should go back and check, like, kind of thing. Because he's a little delirious. But then he stumbles upon a community of people who have been outcast. In the frontier, and of course they're all white, um, <laughs> obviously, and he explains what's happened to him, and they take him in and, like, tend to his head and stuff, and he starts traveling with them, and they're this group of odd people that, like, secretly are doing good for these people living on the fringes, and, like, maybe... A baby is sick, and they put they happen to put out the right medicine, and people like r there's rumors about this little group, but it's like you can only tell they're there from a light in the forest kind of thing, like like in the distance. They don't want to get caught because they don't want to go back to whatever their lives were before. What's the like conflict? Like this is very this is a very interesting setup. Is there a conflict that like rears its head? But the sort of like realistic fantasy type thing is cool. He, in joining up with them, he has to renounce his, like, knowing what happened to his family. And it's this big, like, but I had a little sibling and what about my mother and father? Because he's not, like, particularly old or anything. And they get closer to the big town than they would normally go. Like, he's urging them to go to the big town so he can find out like, what happened to his family, and that he gets in a fight with the girl that's becoming his love interest, because there will naturally be a love interest, <laughs> and they get into a fight because he wants to know what happens to his family, and when he gets into town, he, like, breaks away from them, he gets into town, he's like, I, like, have you heard anything of these people? And it's like, no, everyone in the family or they only lost the son, like, the rest of the family somehow survived, but they've had oh. to move away because it was too tragic to live on this farmland where their son died. So they've gone south to live with the like the the wife's family the cousins or something. Yeah. yeah, and or they're moving west. They're moving south to then move west, kind of thing. Because we're at this like weird frontier westward time, and he's like, "Oh no, I've lost both of my families now." Like. And has to carry on. He carries on the light in the forest, like, practice for a little to prove that he's still, like, 
he still cares about this new group of people. And uh, they does he go back with them or does he stay on his own? He's on his own for a bit. And then one night in the forest, there's like a blizzard or like a flood or something. And then he starts like looking for them to make sure that they're okay. Oh, does he like bring the townspeople with him? So it's like a reverse, like, like the. The real people have to save the I don't forest think people. So. I don't think okay. so. Although that would be interesting too. But I think, like, it's just it's not as big of a disaster. It's like, oh, their camp flooded out, and the horse that they use or the cattle that they have is like carried away, and he like goes hunting for it, knowing how important that animal is to their group, and. Is there like a sort of like long distance like nodding going on? Like you you can't come back with us, but but we're cool now. No, I think he does rejoin them at the end. Okay. In my fictional movie, that definitely is probably more entertaining than what you're about to tell me about. But so he's got the like he's got like the farm he, life. He like redeems then- himself at the end to the group that he's like, yes, I broke what you asked of me, but I've still proven that I care about you all. And she gets over her hurt of betrayal and is like, oh, you've come back and you can help us again and we'll be a family. Okay. You know, you you actually do in in the sort of like magical realism thing that you came up with. You did come up with something that's probably more interesting than the movie that actually exists. And also, weirdly, you did kind of get the theme right of okay. like being being torn between two worlds. The light in the forest is quite literally like a a young white boy gets raised by Native Americans and then has to go back and live with his real quote unquote real parents and then has to like decide which world he belongs to. I hate this. Um, it's based, it's based on a book of the same name by Conrad Richter. Yeah. And from my little bit of research, the, the story does seem to be a little bit more like complicated and aware of like the nuances of indigenous you know, relations. Well, the the sort of the sort of violence on both sides, okay, situation and the like, you know, your fam your family is not who who birthed you, but who raised you. Like, yeah, it. I I haven't seen the movie, um, but from from what I've read, like, it the movie's at least you know not blatantly like this way is bad and this way is good. Yeah, it's about exploring that sort of tension within one person. But so, yeah, so we get uh, in 1964, Pennsylvania, um, uh, this young 64, sorry, 1764. I said totally the wrong year. I was like, <laughs> 1764. OK, Pennsylvania. that makes more sense because indigenous people only live in the past. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, in Pennsylvania, I'm sure it is more likely that yeah. this story would be occur- occurring in the 1700s than in the 1900s, yeah. let's say. So he he's a young white boy na- raised by Native Americans. He has the name True Son, mm. which I suppose is ironic mm-hmm. for the movie's sake. Um, and he's forced to return to white society after a peace treaty 
So um, a sort of adventurer, like woodsman type named Dell comes to like bring him back to his family. And that is played by Fess Parker, who is Davy Crockett from the Disney oh, movie. Okay. So that you kind of have that star like anchoring. Yeah. The movie. And so they, they bring him back. He's got to meet his white family you know, he still he's still dressing sort of the way he always dressed, and so he's having a hard time fitting in. He's got this uncle who's like super racist to him. Mm-hmm. But then there's this there's this girl who works for his uncle that takes a liking to him. So there's this love connection. Um eventually um some of his Native American cousins and friends like come to visit him in the town and one of them gets killed by the uncle. So he he like escapes back to the Native American tribe and they want revenge. So it becomes about scalp collecting, which is very icky. Mm-hmm. And eventually he gets fed up with uh, the Native Americans who are killing innocent people and warns the, the white townspeople that an attack is coming. So similar to the plot that you came up with, he's like sort of burned both bridges and Mm -hmm. is caught on his own intricacies of the, um, you know, the final confrontations differ in the book and the movie, but essentially his native American father stand stands up for him not to be executed for, you know, betraying the tribe, Mm -hmm. but you know, he gets basically sent out of town and disowned exiled Mm-hmm. In the and as far as I know, the book sort of ends with this like like crossroads. Like I have neither place to go to, like no no family, and I'm stuck on my own. Mm-hmm. But as far as I know, the movie just ends with him running with the girl back to the white town mm-hmm. with with a slightly more happy ending for you know Hollywood's sake. Yeah. Well. But that's the sort of movie that Disney was going yeah, to make oh, in 1958. That was why I was so biting. I was like, it's going to be some indigenous. I, I tried to. I was avoiding indigenous topics as much as possible. If you couldn't tell. What was interesting is like you made you made the you made the this sort of joking idea that like the the magical people who live in the forest aren't actually Native American. They're just like these white people who are outcasts. And so like in your version, they're like just casually not mentioning the that Native in- Americans not being there. Yeah. Um, which is another version of the same problem, obviously. And yours was set a little later and in Maine, so... Yeah. Like, there weren't necessarily, like, still a large indigenous population around. Yeah. But it, I did find it interesting that you sort of found the right, like, internal conflict for the character. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that time period of Disney movies... There's only a couple options. So, yeah, that was The Light in the Forest. It is not on Disney+. Plus. Oh, it is not. But again, I think it is available on YouTube if you do look it up. Um, James MacArthur plays the, um, the, the, the main young man, and he would later become a Hawaii Five-O actor, like that original oh. TV series run. And then Carol Lindley is the the young love interest and she got a golden globe nomination for most promising newcomer female for this movie. Hmm. 
She was prominently in the Poseidon Adventure 1972, but otherwise I don't think much else. There's also some other big actors, but like no one that is recognizable from a modern standpoint. Yeah. Back in the day, I think this was sort of like a prestige hit for Disney. Like, Yeah, I think it's funny, too, like, thinking about that tagline and then, like, what the movie actually was. And it's like, is it a different story? Is it? (laughs) It's a different motion picture in the sense that it's about being different. But, yeah, that was Light in the Forest and Minute 38. I think, for once, I like the high school musical better. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> I do want to see your movie too. Yeah. Thank you. Until next time. I also just hold on. I just realized that there is I just read a couple short horror story or collections of short horror stories based on fairy tales. And You've mentioned it before on the show actually. They were very good. And one of the stories in one of the volumes was about, like, this circus that traveled through communities and, like, would collect, would find dead children in the community that had been, like, wrongfully killed and, like, help them move on by letting them join this, like, phantom circus. And there's something about what I pitched that just gives off very similar vibes in my (laughs) head. I don't know why. Maybe something about the main character in my brain. But, um, yeah, just I mean, you did have, you were doing a sort of, like, realistic fantasy thing with your... Without being, I was trying not to be too fantastical, though. That was my thing. I was like, ugh, without actual fantasy elements. But it was very, like, it was very folksy, like... Yeah, folksy, definitely. Well, until next time, you can let us know what you think on Instagram at Amateur Nerds. Or on Tumblr at Wildcat Minute. Or you can send us an email to amateurnerdspresent at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know your favorite 50s movie that isn't racist. Joke's on you, there isn't one. (laughs) Special thanks to our artist Theo Golden at tgoldenart on Instagram. And our musician Joe Winslow, whom you can find at joewinslowmusic.com. I have been Condra. And I've been Tyler. We'll see you next time to find out If Gabriella's mom offers snacks, you can bet on it. Hey, I already said that.